Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the high-tech capital <laughs> of Big Pine Key. <laughs> if you wonder why we're laughing, you'll have to come and see a live thing sometime. Um, we are continuing on in our study that we're doing uh, on the New Testament. We're actually in the book of Matthew. We started there. We are in chapter 15. We've been doing a chapter at a time, and so... I was just talking with somebody today, quickly, uh, seems like we just started Matthew, and here we are, 15 chapters into it. And um, when you read through the Bible and sort of think about it, verse at a time, chapter at a time, it, it tends to bring a lot of things together in context, and it helps you sort of understand uh, what's taking place, and it, it, um, it sort of challenges us along the way, because a lot of times in our thinking, we've, taking, we've taken a scripture from here and a scripture from there and a scripture from there. And it's pretty easy in doing that to sort of come up with our own little theologies and uh, ideas. And, and so we, we need to make sure that uh, we understand what's happening in context uh, of how things are being written and what's going on. And then we can think about it, talk about it, explore the book from there. And um, as we've been looking through Matthew, we've, we've seen a lot of things taking place. We you know, started in the beginning. We saw how Jesus came and, and, and those events were recorded and what that looked like and interactions that happened. And, and, um, and then we, we looked and, and saw how he was baptized in the Jordan and how the Holy Spirit came on him. And he started his ministry. And that, uh, the, the core message of his ministry is that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. The kingdom is here. And, and so we, we looked at that, and we, we then looked and, and saw really the cornerstone of Matthew is those three chapters, 5, 6, and 7, in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, where he takes the teachings of the Pharisees, basically, and he says, you have heard it said, but I say to you, and he turns everything upside down, because um, everything had become about rules, and they had lost their relationship the special relationship that they were supposed to have with God. And, it, and it, it, it didn't exist. It had just become a set of rules. And we've, we've talked about the Pharisees and how they started with good intentions. And, and really, a couple hundred years before Christ, they formed in order to try and keep Judaism from being Hellenized, which means from uh, trying to protect Judaism from the Greek influence that was, was changing every culture at the time. And, and so they started with good motive, but like most things over time, in order to try and keep something safe, what they had done was they had just kept passing rules. And, and over that couple hundred year period now, the rabbinical rules, there were seven, eight hundred to go along with the Ten Commandments. And, and so we have a whole different process, and people can't get it. They can't make it there. They can't follow that many rules. And, and why that's important is because we have that same tendency uh, today. We haven't changed any. We become pharisaical very quickly with our beliefs. And we start with good motive, but in, in order to sort of try and, and hold on to something, we start making rules. And oftentimes we take principles, godly principles, and we turn them into rules and they quit being godly. And, and so we have to be very careful in how we approach situations. And we always need to be careful that we've, we're, we're holding it all in our hands and we've got it all figured out, because we don't. And, and as soon as we start thinking we got it all figured out, we get religious and we make it impossible for people to get to God. And so we, we, we've been looking at this process and how everything was turned upside down. And then Jesus, after preaching this amazing three chapters and turning everything upside down, he then begins and, and he goes and he validates or he backs up or he demonstrates 
all the teachings about the kingdom that he just gave by, by doing the things that he does. Uh, he shows them that indeed the kingdom of God is here and upon us by, as he goes out and he heals the sick and he, he raises the dead and he, he, he brings people in, sets them free. All those things are happening and we see those events taking place in chapters 8, 9, 10. Well, then what we begin to see is, see, he's presented himself as Messiah, as the king. He's come and... Um, the people who should have received him don't want him because they don't like the package. And remember, it's the same struggle the religious people have that the disciples are having at a different level. Everyone is convinced that Jesus has come to restore Israel to the place that it was during the reign of David. That's the promise that they're looking for. And they see in Jesus all these things and then he's not finishing up what they think is going to happen. And so the, the religious people, uh, the Pharisees, they have begun to say this cannot be the Messiah. And we've seen the attacks begin in earnest as they begin the process of rejecting him and, and the people we're going to follow quickly behind them. As they say, this isn't the one we've been waiting for. And so we, we begin to see all these crazy attacks. Well, let's read Matthew chapter 15 today. Uh, together, and then I just want to talk about it for a few minutes, and, and uh, we'll move along from there. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Um, it should be in those bulletins. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there and read along with me, or um, there's some few Bibles. You can grab one of them if you want, or you can just listen to my pleasant voice as I read the Scripture, and perhaps it'll put you to sleep. <laughs> you wouldn't be the first. I have stories that just pop up and I stop myself. Here we go. Verse 1. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. And Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? And he replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. And Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come out of the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman 
from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee, and then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walk, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciple answered, Where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. And he told the crowd to sit down on the ground, and then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over The number of those who ate was 4,000 besides women and children. And after Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay. So, here's where it starts. Um, And and I think this is, is, you've got to think about this in the in. And what happens? Because we get like this sometimes. So Jesus is preaching. He's doing his ministry. People are being touched. Huge crowds are coming. Uh, he's healing the sick. He's, he's setting people free from demon possession. He's changing their lives. All these things are happening. And, and that's not disputed. Everybody knows it's happening. But this group of religious people shows up from Jerusalem. <laughs> so I get the biggest kick out of this. And... and this is what they come up with in, in this particular instance. They, they, they're really, really uptight about an extremely important religious tradition. The disciples are not washing their hands before they eat. <laughs> now, does that seem... Can you, how ridiculous is the proposition? Now... It's not just washing of hands. They're challenging a rabbinical. See, it's not a mosaic tradition. It's the rabbis who put this in place that there was this big deal that happened before people ate, religious people ate, that included a very ceremonial hand washing. It also included washing your pots and your pans and your plates. It was a huge deal. And Mark 7, 4 actually records it. You can write down the address and go and look later. It says, uh, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So, so it, what's being talked about here is, is, uh, is more than, you know, your mommy reminding you to wash your hands before you eat dinner. Because that's what you thought that was all about, right? You didn't know it was in the Bible, did you? They, they, got, they got scriptural ammunition why we're supposed to wash our hands before we eat. But I read that, and I have this picture. I don't know if you ever saw the movie As Good As It Gets with Jack Nicholson. 
and he's, he's obsessive compulsive and he washes his hands in the beginning of the movie and, and he's got this whole cabinet full of Neutrogena bars and he opens the thing, it's hot water, no cold water, and he opens a brand new bar of soap and he washes, hot, 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 and he throws that bar away and he opens another one. <laughs> and, hot, hot. And, and I have this picture in my mind about this religious, this tradition that's become just that. It's a tradition. It's not based in the scripture. It's a, it's a tradition. And so, um, that's what they're picking on now. And, 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 and yet, see, we have to be so careful because sometimes we get so stuck in our own traditions that rather than being able to honor and bless what God is doing in a situation, all we can pick on is what they're not doing in the process. And it happens all the time. Um, little tiny things. And you just sort of want to scratch your head and go, really, that's what you're upset about? Uh, you know, everything else is good, and you're you're picking on something that's really not even biblical. It's a tradition, and and because you're not getting your tradition met, you think, well, it can't be God. See, we have to be so careful in this process because we'll do the very same things, and so we we want to make sure that we're open to this process because they they were just refusing to see, and they were it was they were more stuck on the fact the disciples were busy. They had ministry happening. Do you get that? They were ministering. They were busy all the time. Sometimes they didn't even get a chance to eat. They were that busy ministering to the people's needs that they couldn't get to all the traditional ceremony stuff. Guess who was upset about that? The guys who didn't minister to anybody. Do you, do you get the, the big deal here? They had, they had all the time in the world. So they had time because they didn't minister to anybody. They didn't care about anybody. They really didn't. We, we see it throughout the scripture. They just cared about their rules and traditions. They didn't care about people. They were using the use, willing to use people as examples and, and, and whatever it took. But they didn't care about them. They just cared about their rules. And so uh, it's a challenge to us because it's very... All of us have areas in our lives that are like that. We may want to look at them. We've all got them. And, and we have to challenge ourselves to take good looks or we miss God. Because we're convinced that he only does it this way. When in fact God is... When Jesus came, he was so outside the box that they were expecting that they didn't see him. And so we have to be very much aware of that process. And reading through the scripture in this way helps us to see, if you put yourself in that place, how quickly we can miss it in this process. And so they come and they make a big deal over hand washing. That's their point. Well, you can't be really a rabbi because you don't wash your hands. That's the whole point. That's the point of this thing. So we're going to reject you because you're missing on tradition. So uh, Jesus, you know, um, Jesus was real good at this stuff because he was God. And, and uh, <laughs> so he, he looks at them and he says, okay, well, you're, you're very concerned about tradition, but you're more concerned about tr- tradition than you are the actual book. And, and you're stuck on your rules more than the the, the commandments that God has actually given you. And he brings up the fifth commandment as an, as an illustration. And he says, you know, the one where you're supposed to honor your parents. Yeah. Okay. Well, at the time, what they had done, if you read the text, is that they have, they're supposed to help. Family's important. They're supposed to take care of their families. But rather than take care of their families, which would have been what the heart of, of someone following God would do, they have said to them, I'd love to help you, but I can't because I've given all my stuff to God. It's been devoted to God. But this, this is really a, an interesting problem. What they did was they devoted things to God. They still had them. <laughs> Do you get it? 
They hadn't given them away. They were still back at their house. But it was a way of saying, oh, I've devoted those to God, so they didn't have to use any of their stuff for anything or for anybody else. They could hang on to all their stuff and look religious. It was all about rules and appearance. And so that's when Jesus comes and he says in Isaiah 29:13, he quotes Isaiah. I'll read you the verse. Isaiah 29:13 is a reference if you want to look it up later. Uh, the Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Now, that's Isaiah a long time before the events are taking place. Pretty good stuff, isn't it? Dead on. Exactly what's taking place. And Jesus points to the Pharisees and said, This is you guys. This is you. I love it that his disciples come to Jesus and say, you know that you offended the Pharisees. <laughs> See, that stuff gives me the biggest giggle. Because it's like, of course Jesus knew he offended the Pharisees. You just told them they had it all wrong. And he quoted that prophecy, that's you guys. You're the ones honoring God with your, with, your, with your mouth, but not with your heart. You've missed the point. You're doing it all by rules. You've totally missed the point. And, and so their ministry had become fruitless. And look, that's why they don't, they, it's, when, when you see God moving, they saw what was happening. But they, they didn't want it that way. And so they, they backed away from it and attacked it. And, and they were fruitless. There was all this fruit taken and had nothing to do with them. And so, you know, what do they, what do they want to do? Well, they want to kill Jesus. That's how they're going to solve the problem. They're going to work into it in that process. And so um, the, their religion was about following rules and they had become fruitless. Uh, that's the first 10 verses. Now, in, in, in Matthew 10 through 12, 15, uh, verses 10 through 20, Jesus goes on and he, he, he then turns to the people and he says, look, the religious leaders have been turning you astray. And it's, it's not about following rules. It's about having a relationship with God. He's reemphasizing the point. Because remember now, the religious leaders have decided they're not going to follow Jesus. And now what they're doing is they're setting up all these little traps to get the people away from him too. And they eventually do it. Uh, and, and so Jesus is saying, look what they're doing to you. You see what? They don't care about you. Did they care about you? Have they been out here praying for you, ministering to you, caring about your people? No. They have compassion for you? No. But what do they got? Well, they've been there for a long time. And Jesus just doesn't quite make it for them. They're, you know, the, the people are looking. They see all this stuff, but they don't see the kingdom of David being reestablished. And, they, they, and so they miss them. Remember, even the disciples see everything, and they still struggle with it. That's how big the struggle really is. And he tells them, look, it's, it's not about outward things. It's about what's happening on the inside. And see, that's always the difference between rule following and having some sort of relationship with God. Rule following is always outward. It's always behavioral. It's always outside stuff. But unless there's a change happening on the inside... See, that's what happens in relationship with God. God begins to change us from the inside out. And so it's not about following rules. Remember, I, I was trying... This is so important that we, we live doing the next right thing. But we, it's not about following rules. We live out of a response to the love that God has already given us. And we can't do that unless it's inward. And so it's, it's not that we we've now have this new set of rules we're going to follow. We don't want to do the things we used to do because... We want to follow after God because He loves us. And out of response to that love, we just want to do the right thing. We don't have to go and satisfy our flesh constantly. We don't have to go. And not that we won't. We miss it. We sin. We do all those things. But it's, it's not about that. But if, if the rules, if all you get out of a relationship 
or, or presumed relationship with God is now you have new rules to follow, you've missed the point. Because you never make it. You will not survive following rules. You can't. R- rules get broken constantly. We all break rules. We're rule, every one of us is a rule breaker by definition in our sin nature. But we break little rules all the time and we justify it. I mean, you know, I just got to drive with you for a few minutes and you'd know that you were breaking rules, right? Most of you? Speed limits are sort of estimates. <laughs> well, they, they're sort of estimating. They're, they're sort of suggesting that 65 would be the proper speed limit here. But, 70 is fine. Five. No, five over is not an issue. Five over is a violation of the rules, guys. Yeah, but, but, but see, we don't... Rules, do you get the process? Because it's, a, it's just a rule. I mean, it's a rule. We don't, it doesn't... And I, I'm not talking about... Because don't think, oh, oh, oh now I, gotta, I don't care how you drive. I really don't. Um, unless I'm on the road and you're endangering me. But it, I just use it as an example. Uh, we, if, if all you have is rules, if you don't think... And here's the other definition. Because what do you do when you're going fast? You're just looking for police all the time, right? Because that's all you care about. You could care less you're breaking the rule. You just don't want to get caught breaking the rule. And you have to make sure you get the deal. So in, in a walk with God, here's the deal. If we think it's rules, it's not really getting that we care about breaking them. If it's just a rule, we don't care. We care less about breaking them. We don't want to get caught. And if we think we cannot get caught, we're tempted to go ahead and do it because we're just breaking a rule. So what? We break rules all the time. You don't make it that way. But... In relationship with God and the desire because of the love that He's given us to do the next right thing, then, then the Spirit helps us and we don't, it's not about breaking a rule. It's about doing what's right because God loves us and it takes on a whole different perspective. But, but we, we aren't all there yet. We're not there yet. None of us are all the way there yet. But maybe we're, we make progress by continually getting closer and closer to the Lord and, and watching what He does. And then he, he moves in those areas in our lives. So it's, it's all about what's happening in here. And that's what the Pharisees didn't have going on. They didn't have it. Some of them did, but most of them did. Then, I gotta, okay, i got five minutes. I'm going to speed up. Um, I always think I don't have enough stuff to teach when I sit down. I've got two pages of notes. I've got 20 minutes, 25 minutes. I'm going to run out of stuff after five minutes. And then I look, oh, great, I've got five minutes. All right. This is important, too, so I want to get to it. He, in 21 through 28, he has this encounter with a Canaanite woman. A Canaanite woman, she's a Gentile. And Jesus has come to tell the people of Israel that he's arrived. He's their king. He's going to the people of Israel first. That's the deal. That was the plan. That's how it was supposed to happen. And she comes to him and she says, and here's what's amazing. So he's being rejected by the religious people big time. They're, they're, they're now accosting him on ridiculous things like hand-washing ceremonies. And she comes up to him and she says, Lord, Son of God. Here's a Gentile who knows who he is. It's a, he, those are messianic terms. She gets who he is. She's not even a, a, a Jew. My daughter's demon-possessed. You can heal her. Would you heal her? And he doesn't even talk to her. Why? Well, he's, he's reluctant because he knows he's come for the people of Israel first. And he has to present to them his Messiahship. And then from the nation of Israel, all nations will be blessed. It's out of the overflow of the nation of Israel that all nations get blessed. Eventually, everybody's going to get it. But he's got to present it to them first. And she says, what she says is, look, even the dogs get scraps, crumbs from the table. 
what she's basically saying is here is, is the blessing on the nation of Israel is so amazing and intense that there's going to be more than enough. I don't, I don't want to take anything away from them. I just want a little taste for my daughter. That's all I want. And he says, your faith. That's the faith he's looking for. That's the response he's looking for from Israel and he's not getting. And he says, okay. And on that basis, he, the daughter is healed. From that very hour, it says. And so, what we see is that it's, we're starting now to get a picture of the bigger picture. And, and that the kingdom benefits that Israel is rejecting are going to be made available to everyone on the basis of faith. That's how we get there. Now, here's, let me just finish this because I've got two minutes. In, in verses 29 through 39, Jesus goes to a place. And uh, he goes up into the hills, all right? And he's ministering to hill people. And after three days of ministry, and of all sorts of healing things, he feeds them. And do you remember chapter 14, he fed the 5,000? Do you remember reading that? Do you feel like you were reading the same account again? You're not. It's a different place. This time he feeds the 4,000. And it's sort of the same thing. They're hungry. Jesus had compassion on them. And, and uh, uh, he says, you know, the guys say, how are we going to feed them? Like, you don't remember? Like two days ago? <laughs> <laughs> just like that. Four days ago, we did it once a little while ago. How much bread we got, how many fish we got, he goes to do it. Now, you think, oh, well, so what? He fed them. I just read about that last chapter. Listen, here's, here's what's interesting. And, and if, if you don't look at the text, you might miss what's taking place here. In Mark 7, 31, in, in the next book, we get a clue about the people he's ministering to. Because it says, Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of the Decapolis. Do you know the people that lived in that region were Gentiles? <laughs> Look, here's what happens. Because it says in that text, the people there were praising the God of Israel. Doesn't that sound funny? That ministry that happens, that's recorded right there, most likely is taking place with Gentiles. And, and it's huge. And the feeding of the Gentiles in the same way that the people of Israel had been fed, is a, is a picture of the kingdom that we're all invited to and that we're all a part of. And that uh, Gentiles are included as well as the children of Israel. And so it's not the same. It's, it's, it's different. And there, there may be something. I've been thinking about this all day. Remember last week I said that after they were done, they picked up 12 basketfuls of stuff. And I said one, it could be one for each of the disciples. So they always knew they had enough. And after this one, they picked up seven. How about this to think about? I'm not just something to think about. How many tribes are there in Israel? You know, twelve. When 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 Jesus uh, in Revelation writes uh, or John writes to the churches in Revelation, how many churches does he write to? Seven. To, to me, it's a picture of the the people of Israel and Gentiles all being a part of his kingdom when he comes back. That we're in just the same way, and that this this particular chapter is full of those references. Uh, for us, and that um, that the kingdom benefits belong to those who come to f- in faith in Christ. We receive the benefits of the kingdom, and that in, most of that chapter is a picture of that happening and and what's to come. And so, okay, that's Matthew chapter 15. Um, guess what we're going to do next week? 16. Some of you are catching on. For others, we'll keep helping you. Matthew chapter 16. If you get a chance, read it before you come so we can uh, look at it together next week. Okay, I am done with that. You can say goodbye to the video upstairs. If you're watching on video, if you need anything, call us, write us, email us. We'd be happy to see you. Um, 
here, I need your prayer request, and I'd be happy to pray with you before you go. Pass up your prayer request to me.